TV shows where people are trying to survive, like against the elements. I don't know why. I've always liked that kind of stuff. I, I read books about, uh, like Call of the Wild was my favorite book growing up. If you don't know what that is, Jack London's about this guy. He's following a sled team through Alaska. Uh, and the wolves are after him. I mean, it's just like the survival tale. Uh, so I don't know. I've always kind of had an affinity for that kind of thing. But one of the shows that me and my kids like to watch is this show called Alone on History Channel. Have, have any of you guys ever seen this show before? So pretty much with this show, they take like uh, 10 or 12 contestants and they say, we're going to put you out in the wilderness by yourself and we're just going to leave you there and whichever one of you lives the longest wins a million dollars. So, and they give you like a, a list of things you can take, like they think you can take 10 items and so you get to pick like a knife or a backpack or like a fishing line or something. There's like these 10 things that you get to choose from this list and, uh, and, and depending on whether you choose wisely or not and then you get out of there, depending on what you can find to survive is pretty much whether you're going to win or not. It, it, it depends on what you find out there. So, like, if you kill an animal, like if you're if you're a hunter and you kill a deer, that's going to up your chances to survive because you're going to have food. Or if you find water, water's a huge deal. You know, you can't live without it. You got to find fresh water. Well, if you can't find water, you're not going to make it. If you don't find food, you're not going to make it. So, pretty much, whoever wins this competition is the person who is the best prepared. Does that make sense? But the, but the drama is you don't know who's going to be best prepared because when they get out there, it's going to be on them to find resources. And so whoever can find the resources is going to win. You guys get it. So God calls us to survive. God in this world calls us not just to survive, though. You want to know God, I think, wants us to thrive have, have any of you ever just felt like maybe you're in survival mode when it comes to this God thing? Have you ever just felt like I'm just hanging on by a thread? And, and I, I think if, you, if you've been a person of faith for any length of time, you probably have had those times, right? If you haven't had those times yet, you will. Uh, hard times are going to come, I'm sorry, someday. But God doesn't just want us to live in survival mode when it comes to our faith. He wants us to thrive. And that's part of why we chose the theme this year uh, for 2022 that we did. We, we look every year as a, as a leadership of the church. We say, what are our needs? What, what are we facing this next year? What, what can we teach on that's going to kind of frame uh, God's truth in a way that's going to meet our needs uniquely here as a church? And so we chose and settled on this theme of equipped because God is calling us to do some amazing things as a church here. We've got some cool stuff that's happening, but he doesn't just want us to be in survival mode. He wants us to understand that we can thrive, and unlike uh, the people on that show alone that are thrust into this wilderness, and they don't really know if they're going to have the tools that at their disposal to survive or not. That's part of figuring that out is, is, are we going to? With us, guys, and with our faith, it's not a question of whether we have what we need to thrive or not. It's, that's not the question. The question is, are we going to utilize the tools that God gives us that are readily at our disposal so that we can thrive? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what are those tools that God gives us where we're not just in survival mode. We're really going to thrive as disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to look at those tools today, uh, just give a brief overview and, and talk through kind of what those are and how we can use them. 
and, and then maybe why not to, to end out, okay? But let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. God, I want to pray as we open your word this morning that you'll prepare our hearts. God, anytime we open your scriptures and your truth, we have a choice to make. We can choose to listen and obey and apply, God, or we can uh, just choose to, to hear and not obey. Uh, God, there is blessing when we choose to obey. There is, uh, there is uh, something good in store for us when we choose to obey, God. There is, there is not when we don't, when it's in one ear and out the other. So I pray we have an eye on application this morning as we look at your word. Uh, God, may you change our lives, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So our theme verse is Hebrews 13, and I'll read this for you. This is not on your notes, which, by the way, you've got a set of notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have most of the passages of Scripture we're going to look at on it uh, and a space there for you to write some things down. Uh, but Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 out of the NIV says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That is our theme verse for this year. And the Hebrew writer's prayer here in this passage for equipping indicates a purpose for equipping. There's a prayer here for God to do something in the lives of this, this group of people that were making up this church that he's writing to. And his prayer for God to equip them is precisely because God has plans for this little community. He wants to use them in the world. There's an expectation of a changed way of life for these disciples that's going to lead to something different in the world that's good. God's agenda. And God's agenda is to move the world closer to him. God's agenda is to use you to move the world closer to him. And part of his equipping is to prepare you to be able to do that, to carry out this mission. It says uh, in Ephesians 2, we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, right there it says he planned good things for you to do a long time ago. God has these plans and these things for you to do, but he's the one who's going to equip you to do his will. That's the blank above this. God equips me so I can do his will. God's masterpiece that I'm, I'm created in him, I, I've got this job to do, these things to do. He redeems me with a purpose, right? This Ephesians 2.10 is one of our life verses here at the Crossings. Uh, one of the things that God wants you to have in your life is hope. And sometimes you can get chewed up and spit out in life where you just don't feel like you have much of a future. You don't feel like you have much of hope because of the stuff you've been going through in life. God comes along and says, no, I've got a future in store for you greater than what you can imagine. I've got works for you to do. I've got a job for you to do. I'm going to use you to make the world a better place. We just need to get you on track. And so he comes along and equips us. He also equips us so, we can, uh, so I can bring him glory. God equips me so I can bring him glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 1, live your life in a way that glorifies and honor God, honors God. Um, to glorify God means I reveal what's hidden in my heart about him. And so I, I go through life as a worshiper. I reveal what God is like to others, and God does a work in me and through me as a result of that as I bring him glory. That's pretty much the purpose of your life. And if you try to go through life and you've got a purpose that God has created you to have and you're not living according to that purpose, life's not going to 
be as satisfying or as fulfilling. But man, when you get on track with God's purpose for your life, when you start living according to the design of the designer, life changes. It gets a little more fulfilling, right? So we're equipped by God with everything I need to do his will and to glorify him. Um, The idea in this lesson, guys, as I mentioned at the beginning, is God equips us. He gives us all the tools What are those tools? I want to look specifically at those. Um, First of all, the first big tool that God gives us is he gives us himself. It says, uh, God gives me his spirit. That's capital S. And when I say spirit, I want you to think Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, So think insight and obedience, the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit is received when we become Christians, Um, The Bible says when we give our lives to the Lord uh, in baptism, he forgives our sins. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is God. Uh, The Holy Spirit is is every bit as much God as God the Father and God the Son are God. Uh, Christianity presents one God in three persons. People say that's confusing. Well, that's God. He is one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Some people say, well, God created the world because he got lonely. No, he didn't. He wasn't by himself. Father, Son, and Spirit. Community. Uh, Some people say, um, you know, that's polytheism. Well, no, it's not. It's one God. It's kind of like H2O, uh, steam, ice, and liquid. All of it's H2O, but it's three different presentations of H2O between water, steam, and ice. Uh, It's kind of like that with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, whenever we become Christians, God comes and lives within us. A little piece of God lives within us, and there are several things that the Spirit does, several characteristics that the Spirit has. We're just going to kind of whittle these down to a couple that are really important for us today in terms of equipping. Um, First in Isaiah 11:2, you know, the Messiah, whenever Jesus came into the world, he was said to be a man full of the Holy Spirit. Here are some characteristics of that uh, spirit in, in Isaiah 11:2. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is talking about the Messiah when he comes. Look at these characteristics now. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. Two characteristics, wisdom and understanding. Those are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of counsel. That's another characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So you've got all these characteristics, uh, wisdom, understanding, ability to counsel. Those are, that's insight, right? Uh, Spirit of might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, people get confused about that. Fear of the Lord just means uh, I fear becoming his enemy enough not to do things that displease him. If I fear the Lord, if I have a healthy fear of the Lord, I fear becoming his enemy. So I'm going to do everything I can to honor him and to love him. So that's a good thing to have the fear of the Lord. Jesus exhibited all of these characteristics of the Spirit. Jesus Christ was a man who walked by the, the counsel of the Holy Spirit. He perfectly modeled for us in the way he went through life and in the way he interacted with God the Father and the way he interacted with others, he modeled perfectly for us what it looks like to be a man full of the Holy Spirit, walking through life, doing life the way God says to do it. It's these characteristics. Uh, Later, 
before Jesus went to be crucified, he has a conversation with his disciples about what's going to happen after he goes to the cross. And one of the major things that were going to happen after Jesus physically left earth, he was going to send the Spirit to come down and and kind of take his place uh, with the disciples. And he tells his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be even better for you guys than, than me standing here. Whenever I leave physically and I'm not standing here but the Spirit is in you, that's going to be an even better time for you spiritually than if I'm physically present with you. He actually says that to them. And uh, in, in describing what the Spirit is going to do, the Holy Spirit is going to do for these guys, uh, he gets into it in, in uh, John 16. I'm going to pick up in 13. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, which, by the way, just a side note, whenever Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not referred to as it. It's referred to as he, Okay. In this passage, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. He does not say it. He says he, because the Spirit is a person. The Spirit is God, just like Jesus is a person, and Jesus is God, and the Father is a person, and the Father is God. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay? What Jesus says here is the Spirit's role in our lives is to guide us into truth. That's the role of the Spirit. He said in the verses right before this, in verse 8, that that the role of the Spirit is to convict the world of sin. I didn't put that on your notes. Uh, But that's part of being guided into truth. It doesn't sound like a good thing to be convicted of sin until you think about what happens when you are convicted of sin. Has anybody in here ever struggled with something that you knew was maybe negative, but you just kept right on struggling with it, even though you knew it wasn't something that should be in your life? Anybody in here? Okay, uh, yeah, whenever you're convicted that that's wrong is when you change, okay? When you're not convicted that it's wrong, you don't change, okay? Uh, like, you got this habit, well, maybe it's not, it's not really that big a deal, okay? You're not going to change that, but man, this is dishonoring God, Like, this is sinful. Well, that's when it's going to change, when you're convicted. But it takes that conviction. The Holy Spirit, guys, part of the Spirit's job in our life is is to convict us when we're screwing up so that we'll change, right? Have you heard of grieving the Holy Spirit? Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, when you do something and the Spirit of God comes over you and makes you grieve that so that you'll change, right? God does some stuff in us with the Spirit, right? And the Spirit of God is given to enable and empower me. The Spirit of God is given to enable and empower me. That is the point of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is linked to sight. The Holy, is that on your notes? Is that not on your, okay. Oh, it is? Okay, Katie Sitton made a mistake. Um, We'll just blame that on her, okay? 
1 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit of God gives, gives us, gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That, that's part of the evidence of the Spirit. Power, love, and self-discipline. Guys, we're able to, through self-discipline, through conviction, we're able to make some changes in our lives that maybe we wouldn't be able to make without that power and self-discipline, right? God gives us what we need. You say, I could never get over that. I've struggled with that for years. I could never get over that. Have you tried the Lord? Because he has a habit of breaking chains. I'm an addict. Guys, I struggled with, with uh, drug addiction for so many years. I remember thinking when I was younger, I'm never going to get over this. I had tried. I had tried to quit. I had tried doing different things. I remember just thinking, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. I remember thinking that. I remember digging through the trash, man. Whenever I would throw some, some drugs away and say, I'm done with that, I remember going back and digging through the trash, dumping that garbage out, looking for it. You want to know how demeaning that is? Like how it makes you feel as a person? I'm digging through the trash for this thing that I said I wasn't going to do anymore, and I just feel like a piece of hot garbage because I am doing it again. Like I know what that feels like. But the truth is, even though that can feel hopeless in the moment, it's not. And, and I'm saying that publicly because that's what I needed to hear in those moments. I needed other people to come up and say, it's not hopeless. God has got this. You're going to be okay. And God put those people in my life. But that was hard to believe in the moment, man. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with something. I'm telling you, I don't care what it is. If God doesn't want it in your life, he will help you overcome it. But you might have to do something to get in there and get, get your hands dirty uh, working on that. And, and the thing is, you know, even though things can be hard to change, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Even though it might be uncomfortable to change, it's not impossible. And the great thing about the church and the great thing about God is not only does God come alongside us, he puts other people in our lives to come alongside us as well because none of us were meant to do this thing on our own, right? So, but that spirit, guys, it starts with his spirit. God will literally go inside your heart and start doing work inside you to change your very desires and motivations. Sometimes, guys, we are our own worst enemies. We are our own worst enemies, our stinking thinking. God says, I will come in there and I will start working on you. God will work directly on your heart if you let him. And that doesn't mean that there's nothing that we, you know, like we just are passengers. God wants to work with us. He partners with us to help develop us and change. Um, it's not all him, and it's not all me. It's us partnering together. Uh, and that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit of God will partner with you to help you change. Okay? Secondly, God gives me spiritual gifts. God gives me spiritual gifts. Think abilities and talents. Uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God, nobody gets to say, I just ride the bench. I don't really do anything. I just kind of sit back and, and I just ride the bench. It says in Romans 12, 6, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Do you know what that means when it says God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well? It means God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. That means you're not exempt. 
There are people that come along sometimes and say, I can't do that. I see what God's calling us to do as disciples, or I see what it says about becoming a Christian. I can't do that. That's, that's outside of my wheelhouse. God says, I made you, I created you. If I said to do it, uh, I actually, I, I, I know you pretty well. If I say do this, I know you can, because I'm not going to call you to do things you can't do. Every single one of us has something to give. This is what's taught in the Bible over and over. Uh, every single one of us has something to give. Every single one of you guys in here, you have a ministry of some kind. I don't know what it's going to look like. It might look different for you than it does for your neighbor, than it does for me. But you have something to give. You have gifts and talents that God has given you. Um, It says in Ephesians 4, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Spiritual gifts. That's why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Every single one of you has a gift. Now, if you uh, study out Romans 12, it gets into different kinds of gifts that are spiritual that you could have, like encouragement, leadership, hospitality, administration, prophecy, a bunch of different ones. Uh, It doesn't matter what your gift is. What matters is that you use your gift. And uh, I think sometimes church is thought of, especially if you grew up around uh, our country, church is thought of as just kind of something you do on Sundays. Uh, You get together, you go to a meeting, you listen to a sermon, sing some songs, you go home. Uh, Really, the church is meant to be sort of like a a school uh, or a group of people that are going to help you learn and develop how to be the person that God has created you to be where it's not just about uh, passively collecting information or, you know, reading together. It's really about transformation more than anything. That's what, that's what church is meant to be, about your transformation into the person that God created you to be. So when we get together, um, we're looking at ourselves in light of God's word, kind of like a mirror. We, we, just like when you go and look in a mirror in the morning, you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, you got eye boogers, you know, you got like drool down half your face over here, your hair's all matted, you look in the mirror, what's the point of looking in the mirror? It's to make changes. So you pick out the eye boogers, you wipe the drool off the side of your face, you brush your hair, you know, you brush your teeth, you make yourself presentable, and then you go out into the world. Guys, when we get together on Sundays and we look into the mirror of God's word and we get a reflection of what we're really like in light of God's word, we look at that and we say, well, this says that I need to be equipped, and here's the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I don't have those characteristics in my life. What, what is in my life that is keeping the Holy Spirit from being active in my life? Okay, That gives me a starting point. I've looked in the mirror. I see my image in the mirror. It doesn't line up with where I want. So I'm going to start making the changes that I need to make in order to get closer to the reflection that I think God wants to see here. That's the point of it. It's not just to check it off your to-do list. It's actually to make the changes in your life that are going to lead to you being the person that God created you to be. Um, All of us, all of us, all of us, there is a person that God created you to be. There are things that God created you to do. You may not be there yet, but... This place, the crossings, is meant to be a place that will help you get there. Thirdly, God gives me his discipline. 
God gives me his discipline. Now here I want you to think about hardship and difficulty. And it's easy to forget this, but God teaches us that even the rough stuff in life is cause for rejoicing. We're being made something more than we were before. You know, that, that passage where he says to endure hardship is discipline. Uh, that's one of those passages that, that just makes you want to cuss. Because you read it and you're like, I don't want to, but that's what it says. In the Hebrews 12, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So God here promises hard times. He promises hard times. Let me emphasize that again. God promises hard times. I emphasize that because what happens sometimes when when we face hard times? We can forget that we were promised hard times. We can get discouraged in the midst of hard times or feel like God is distant in the midst of hard times because we forget God promised this way back then to expect this. What is also promised is a choice. When I'm faced with hard times, I have the choice to have an attitude that's going to honor God in the midst of that or to have an attitude that's going to dishonor God. I can choose to be hopeful or I can choose to be hopeless. I can choose to be developed or I can choose to let my growth be stunted. When I'm faced with hardship, guys, I get to choose my attitude about that hardship. I get to choose my attitude about it. And uh, what this says right here, this is an attitudinal lesson. He says to these Hebrews, endure hardship as discipline. Why do you think he might have been saying that to them? Do you think this group of people might have been struggling a little bit? Now, one of the things we know about the, the group of people that are being written to in Hebrews is they were under an intense persecution. Intense persecution. We have not experienced persecution here in our country. Uh, we really haven't. Uh, there have been some inconveniences. There have been some people that have talked bad about us. Okay, in the New Testament, when it talks about persecution, it's not talking about somebody hurting your feelings because they talked bad about you. It's talking about they're gonna, they killed you. They killed you. They killed your family. They threw you in prison. That's persecution, right? Uh, we have not experienced that here. But what he says, now just imagine, guys, what if people kicked the doors down this morning? Let's say Christianity was made illegal here in, in the United States. People kicked the doors down, and they came in here, and they broke this meeting up. And then when we tried to meet in homes, man, they were, like, trying to come and, and bust up our meetings in homes. Can you imagine that? And then... Uh, Somebody comes along who's in leadership at the crossings, writes a letter to all of our little small groups that are meeting, getting arrested, and says, hey, endure hardship as discipline. Would you struggle with your attitude? 
Would you struggle with your attitude if we were in that situation? Endure hardship is discipline. The cops are kicking your door down. They're not going to let you have your Bible study. Go on and have it. Let them arrest you. Let them throw you in jail. Let them treat you badly, and you just endure hardship as discipline. You know, I think our membership roles might go down a little bit if that kind of thing were happening. That's the thing about persecution. It shows you who's serious. Part of the reason the church grows explosively during times of persecution is because it's just the disciples that are left, and God does things with disciples. But whenever you're just kind of playing church, well, you just be another typical American church. Most of them are unhealthy. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that as somebody who intimately studies church health and church growth and has for almost 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. And persecution has a way of bringing out the very, very best in us when we let it. Going through hard times, guys, will bring out the very, very best in you when you're faithful through it. God will do a work in your heart, and then God will turn around and do a work in the lives of others who see it. Because there's something about the faith of a disciple who can look at the worst the world has to throw at it and say, give me another. Because I know who's in charge. It's inspiring. It's an opportunity. Endure hardship as discipline. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts 2 Corinthians 1.4 in the message paraphrase, uh, talking about hardship, this idea of hardship. It says, uh, he, Jesus, comes alongside us when we go through hard times. So are we alone when we go through hard times? It says he comes alongside us, right? And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else. So, uh, brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Did you know it says that? It says you're going to go through some hard times. God's going to take care of you, and then God is going to put you in the life of somebody else who's going through something similar to what you went through, and he's going to use you to help that person. Did you know that's how God works? And man, with, with, with hardship, one of the things I love about the crossings is we've got so many people uh, that, that have been wounded in life that are, that are very loud about that wounding, that don't try to hide it. Um, God has a way of, of working through the very worst situations to bring about great, great things. You guys know um, my story. Uh, I was abused as a kid. I was sexually abused from a very young age um, and was messed up really bad as a result of that. I felt inherently bad uh, as, a, as a teenager. I felt terrible about myself. I was suicidal. I was addicted. Um, and years and years of trauma, man, it, it took me a lot uh, to ever get help with that. It, it actually took 
me getting into uh, a community of faith where there were other people that were really open about those kinds of wounds where I was able to talk with somebody and get help. Um, and I remember, and I've told this story before, guys, but it bears repeating. Uh, I remember as I was going through counseling, and we've got a class here called Wounded Heart. Uh, it's for victims of childhood sexual abuse. And uh, years ago, um, when I went through that class, I was really, really, really struggling uh, because I just felt so horrible. Like, I felt like I'd been ripped off. Like, I felt like my innocence had been taken when I was, you know, I started getting abused when I was like three or four. Um, and so I felt like from, from that very, very early time in my life, I'd just been ripped off. And I felt like if God was in charge, um, he could have done something about that. Instead, he let this little kid get molested. What kind of God would do that? You know, if God is good, why would he let that kind of thing happen to little kids? Not just me, but just like in general. If God is so good, why is the world so messed up? You know, I had just all these questions, and I was really mad, just angry at him. And I remember I just kind of put my finger on the, the pulse of my problem. Like, that actually is the problem is I'm mad at God. And I was having breakfast with uh, Robert Cox, who many of you know. He's a, been a minister for about 40 years, and uh, he had had a similar experience when he was younger uh, to himself. And, and I was sitting having breakfast with him, um, and uh, I was crying, and, and I just, like, I just articulated, I'm mad at God. And here's why. And Robert looked at me and he said, uh, if you could hit rewind on your life and go back and, and remove that trauma, like if you, could, if you could go back and just take away that experience happening to you, would you do it? And I was like, yeah, if I could rewind, let me, let me get this straight. You're asking me if I could rewind time, go back in time and not be molested as a kid, would I not be molested as a kid? Of course I wouldn't be molested. What kind of question is that, you know? Robert had also been molested when he was a kid. And he looked at me and said, Wes, I have felt exactly like you feel right now. I have sat there and had the exact feelings that you're having right now. But I'm 30 years further down the road than you are. I dealt with this a long time ago. And he said, when I think about what happened to me, he said, do you want to know what I think about when I think about being molested? I don't think about what my grandfather did to me. I don't think about the, the, that actual molestation. He said, I think about the names and the faces of the people that I've been able to help over the years because I was molested. Because what I did is I turned around and tried to be faithful despite that, and I've been able to give hope to people that God can work in their lives despite that wrong that was done to them. God can make it okay. I'm able to give that message to people because that happened. So if I could rewind time, I would not go back and take it away. And he said, my prayer is going to be for you to get to that point. That wasn't easy to hear in the moment, guys. But I can say now... Uh, there's a few more years between me and that, I have those kinds of stories where instead of the crap that happened to me just being about the crap that happened to me, guys, I've seen God work good out of that. I've seen him take my story and, and use it to help give hope to others. And so would I just want to take that away now? Well, no, that's a gift that I have to give to somebody else now. 
So even though it's a painful gift for me to have to give, guys, I'm, I'm not going to not give it. In fact, I want to get to a point where I can praise God for working through it. And I do. Still don't praise him that that happened to me, okay? I'm not going to do that. But I praise God he can work through it. I praise God he can work through it. He, go, he comes alongside us, and then he uses us to come alongside others. It's a gift to be able to offer that comfort to somebody else. Amen? Fourthly, God gives me his word. God gives me his word. Think study and meditation. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Do me a favor and circle the word able. Um, They are able to make you wise for salvation. That word able in the original language is dunamis. That is the Greek word that we get our English word dynamite from. Uh, Dynamite is powerful, right? Whenever this says that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, the scriptures are powerful to make you wise for salvation in Jesus. They're dynamite, right? The scriptures are like dynamite. When you open up the word of God, it's like you're opening up dynamite. You've got something powerful in your hands. Now, what do you got to do with dynamite? If the dynamite's just sitting in the box, is the dynamite going to do any good? You got to get the dynamite out the box, right? What if I just set it on my coffee table? If I just set the dynamite on my coffee table, is my dynamite going to do any good? It's, a, it's, it's, it's my family dynamite. I want all my friends to see my dynamite when they come over, right? Ain't going to do any good just sitting on your coffee table. You want to use dynamite, you got to light the fuse. It's got potential energy. You guys ever take physical science, eighth grade, right? It's got potential energy, but for that potential energy to turn into kinetic energy, something else has to happen, right? It's the same with your Bible. You can have your Bible. It's not like I'm just going to open it up and set it on the counter and and it's just going to like go in my head through osmosis because I'm close to it. You have to open it and read it. Did you know that? You guys are asleep. You got to open and read it. You say, I don't like to read. Did you know you can get an app for free that will read it to you, either in a male or female voice, with an American accent or an English accent? You have options. You say, I prefer to listen in Spanish. It comes in Spanish. For free. Quit your excuses. You have to use it for it to be any good. You say, there's a nail over there. I got a hammer. I want to hammer the nail. Well, you got to pull the hammer out and use it. Right? You actually have to hold it and use it. in your. Okay? You guys understand why I'm overstating this. We have more Bibles than we have ever had in history. More Bibles than we've ever had in history. We don't even just stop with the paper Bibles. We have digital Bibles. There are Bibles floating in the air around you right now. It's not just cat videos. There are Bibles on the Internet 
We have no excuse. We have no excuse. You have the powerful Word of God in your hand, the ability to read it, listen to it, ingest it, memorize it. Nobody telling you you can't. You guys realize in some countries they say you can't read that. That's against the law, right? You don't have that. We have all of these tools at our disposal, all of this education, all of this technology, and all of this power in the Word of God, and we just ignore it. I want to encourage you, if you're not in the habit of getting in the Word of God, if you are looking to be equipped this year and you haven't been in the habit of getting in the Word of God on a regular basis, if you don't have a quiet time, if you don't memorize Scripture, if you don't, when you are struggling with something, go look up what the Bible says about it and memorize what that says so you have some tools to combat whatever it is, you are not lighting the fuse. You are not being faithful. Guys, you have powerful word of God. But you got to light the fuse. Amen? you got to light the fuse. They're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not just a little bit equipped. He wants you to be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly outfitted for every good work. God doesn't want to do this halfway, right? He wants you to be thoroughly equipped. Fifthly, God gives me his church. God gives me his church. Think leaders and people. So God's people help me obey. That's the point. Hebrews 10 Let us stir one another's minds to energetic effort and love and good works. We mustn't do what some people have gotten into the habit of doing, neglecting to meet together. Instead, we must encourage one another, and all the more as you see the great day coming closer. The point of being part of the church in this passage here is growth, personal growth, personal encouragement. You need to be part of a local church. Why? Because God's coming back someday, and we need to be ready for him. We've got to do between now and Jesus coming back what we can do to get ready for Jesus coming back. That's the point of the church. So if there's stuff in my life that doesn't honor Jesus, the church is going to have people in my life that are up in my business that are like, what are you doing, man? You know Jesus is coming back, right? Let's, let's get on track here. Or, hey, you're discouraged. Man, you shouldn't be discouraged about that. Let me give you some encouragement. Let's get back on track here. Or, hey, I'm having a bad day. Well, maybe you can come encourage me. Let's get back on track here, right? The church is meant to help us all stay on track. And so we've got this family and these relationships where we love God, we love one another, and and we love the lost, and, and, and we need one another. We're interdependent on one another. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. It's not a thing. This idea that it's me and God, and that's my faith. Well, maybe you need to listen to God a little bit more because he says it don't work like that. He says, I'm going to put you in community, and you guys are going to be a family together, and I'm going to do something special through all of you together. It's that togetherness. And so spiritual leaders are given to the church by God as gifts to help build the faith of those in the church. In Ephesians 4, now this is an interesting passage because this is not talking about spiritual gifts. This is talking about people. This says that the gifts that God gives the the church are actual people here. It says the gifts... Christ gave to the church are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the idea is Jesus instituted the church. It's his idea. This is his deal. Then Jesus gives the church leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Those are different kinds of leaders that that God gives the church. And the leader's job in the church is to help the people in the church be equipped to do God's will. So that means as leaders, we get to know you. Guys, we get to know what's going on in your life, and we get to offer you counsel and shepherding based on what we learn from God's Word. So if we get to something that's going to harm you, our job as leaders is to speak up. If we see something in your life uh, that is going really, really good, we're going to encourage you and develop that. If there are things that we see in you, some of you guys in here, you have gifts that are just undeveloped. Well, those that are further down the road can maybe see that and recognize that and help bring that out in you. Our job is to love you and shepherd you and to help you grow and and. and we're able to do that because we've had that done for us by other church leaders. And so there's this generational kind of teaching that's being passed down from one generation to another. But the whole point, guys, is God wants to do something special in your life. And he wants to do something special in your life because he wants to use your life to bless the lives of others. And the way he's going to do that is by putting you in this family that we call the church. And he's going to put people in your life that get to know you just like a shepherd gets to know a sheep. And, and, and they're going to love you, and they're going to come alongside you, and they're going to help disciple and develop you, and then you're going to be able to eventually turn around and do that for somebody else. And there is a sense of fulfillment. There's a sense of purpose. There's a sense of, of looking forward to. Uh, there's a sense of momentum. The, man, when, and when you're living for God and, and, you, and you just start running toward Jesus, you look back after a few years and you're like, man, look. Look at that. That's pretty cool. Let's keep going, right? Life is so much better with God. Amen? It's so much better. And some of you need to hear that this morning because you've been struggling. Guys, I know. We've been doing this a while. We hear the same stories a lot. You're looking for more in life. You hit a wall you don't know what the future holds, but you know you don't like the way life has been going, and so you're looking for something more. Man, guess what? We've been praying for you. We planted this church not terribly long ago, but before we even came over here and started this church, guys, we, we prayed for the people that God was going to send here. We prayed that God would be working in the lives of people in Collinsville and the surrounding areas. We prayed that, that he would intersect your coming here and and getting to know us with your needs being met. We prayed for you for a long time. Guys, we prayed that the circumstances in your life would be such that it would prepare your hearts to receive the gospel because we're going to share things with you that are shared with you right when you need to hear them. That was our prayer. And guys, it has been a blessing to see God answering that prayer as we've seen many people give their lives to Christ in the last couple of years. And we want that to continue. 
But maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like God led you here this morning because some of the stuff that was said this morning is exactly what you needed to hear because you've been struggling. Guys, I want you to know God loves you so much. He loves us more than we can understand. He knows every hair on your head. He created you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got ministries for you. He's got a bright future for you. And life is going to be hard. There's going to be hardship, but God promises he's going to take you through it. And in fact, he's going to do good things despite it. And he's going to make amazing stuff happen when we're faithful to him. God gives us everything we need. You know, I said at the beginning, that alone show. Part of the excitement of watching alone is you don't know who's going to win. Even for the contestants, they don't know if they're going to win. They're going to try. But when they get out of the field, they don't know if they're going to have everything they need to make it all the way through to the end. They don't know if they're going to have water. They don't know if they're going to have food. They don't know if they're going to be able to stay warm. They don't know if their clothes are going to make it. They don't know. They don't know. They don't. They, they just don't know if they're equipped. Guys, with us. It's not like we're being thrust into the wilderness. Maybe we'll make it. Maybe we'll have enough supplies. Maybe. That's not it. The question isn't whether we're going to have enough. The question is, are we going to take advantage of all of the tools that God has given us to make it enough? Because God promises He's not just going to put his kids in the wilderness without any tools to survive. God promises you as his disciple, he is going to give you everything you need to be okay. He's going to give you everything you need to make it. He's going to give you everything you need to be the person that he always meant for you to be. The question isn't, am I equipped? The question is, am I going to take advantage of what God has given me? That's really what it comes down to. Wisdom, insight, discipline, Holy Spirit. He gives us uh, spiritual gifts to carry out his mission in the world. He gives us hardship to develop us and discipline us. He gives us his word that's powerful to teach us how to live and how to be. He gives us his church to provide love, support, and coaching. He gives us everything we need. Am I going to use the tools that he's given me or not? That really is the question. And so to take advantage of God's equipping, guys, it really does just come down to one thing. you got to ask, if, if you're struggling today, I just want to close with this thought, okay? If you're struggling today, there are three possibilities, okay? You could have an assistance problem, That means you just don't have anybody to help. I'm struggling, and I just don't have anybody to help, right? You could have an assistance problem. Uh, You could have an aptitude problem. Aptitude just means natural ability. It could be that I'm struggling just because I'm not talented enough to deal with whatever is coming my way. It could be an aptitude problem, or it could be an attitude problem problem. This is I'm struggling because I need to make an adjustment to my attitude and my approach to this situation. 
the church uh, that the Hebrew writer is pinning the, the book of Hebrews to was not without their problems. Uh, they were, as I mentioned prior, uh, undergoing a persecution that was pretty significant. Uh, but they also were struggling with immaturity in their ranks. We know this because of this rebuke in chapter 5. Uh, the writer says, I have a lot more to say about this, but look, look at this now. It's hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. It's like a dad talking to his kids. I talk to my kids this way, right? Sometimes they don't listen. I need to remind them. He says right here, you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you ought to be teachers, yet I find you here needing someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. He's kind of chewing them a little bit. Okay? Uh, their problem, was, was their problem an assistance problem? No. Okay, the, the, the fact that this writer is writing them a letter tells us no. They had assistance. Was it an aptitude problem? Did they just not have the ability to do this faith thing? Well, no, because the Hebrew writer says right here, you guys should be teachers by now, but you're not. In other words, you have the aptitude. What was their problem? Guys, the problem was their attitude. He says, you've picked up a bad habit of not listening. You don't do what I'm telling you to do. If you had been doing what I was telling you to do a long time ago, you'd be in a different place now. You wouldn't be running around like somebody that needs somebody to study the Bible with them again. We need to sit down and go back over the Bible studies. Just basic stuff. Because you don't know the basic stuff. Okay? He's kind of chewing them. The problem was attitude. Guys, with us, let me just tell you right now, if you're here this morning and you're struggling, that can change today. You can get on the path to change today. Or you can go right on struggling. Because the choice, guys, with God often, often with God, he leaves the ball in our court. And all I mean by that is we get to choose, right? Part of being created in the image of God is that you and I get the ability to make choices about what we're going to do with our lives. God is so good, he always makes the right choice. I don't always make the right choice, but I have the ability to. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do? Let's close out this morning, guys. Um, if there's anything in your life that is holding you back from being who God is calling you to be, if there's a habit, if there's a hang-up, if there's an addiction, uh, I want you to think, what needs to happen for me to get some help with this? Have you talked with anybody about it? If there's something like that, have you talked with anybody? I want you to know you're in a safe place here at the crossings. You're in a group of people that have, we, guys, we have heard it all. We have done it all. There's nothing that anybody is going to come in here that they struggle with that we're going to be surprised by. I can guarantee you that. I don't care what it is. Uh, have you talked with somebody about it? And if you haven't, you're in a safe place. You're with people that even though you may not feel like you can trust us yet, we'll get there. I want to invite you to indicate on your card um, this morning, which, by the way, you've got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. Uh, we're going to have everybody pull those out. Um, hey, members, you got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. Can we pull those out? Um, 
So uh, we're going to close out this morning. If you've got something that we that you need to talk with somebody about, uh, indicate that on your card. I mentioned a lot of things this morning, guys. I talked about addiction. I talked about childhood sexual abuse. Um, we have resources to help deal with all of those kinds of things. And by resources, it would initially just probably be talking with somebody uh, that doesn't just know the subject matter because they read about it in a book. If we talk, if you talk with somebody that we pair you with, it's going to be somebody who has experienced that stuff and has experienced the victory that Jesus offers us through it. Um, and so that's one of the things we love to do here at the Crossings is connect people with resources like that. Uh, guys, if there's other things, if, if you have some questions about God, if maybe you're struggling with doubt or belief in God, or uh, if you want to talk with somebody about that, guys, we would love to. Uh, you're not going to get, nobody's going to look down on you for having doubts around here. Nobody's going to look down on you for wanting to investigate more or, or look at stuff like that. One of the things about truth, guys, if it's something's really true, it stands up to questions. So we don't have to be afraid of questions. We don't have to be afraid of doubts. Uh, I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling with that, um, talk with somebody. Uh, if there, guys, if there are other things, if you've been coming around the church for a while and uh, you know maybe you haven't plugged into a small group or a ministry, we would love to get you paired up there. Uh, whatever your needs are, you can look over that card and kind of see for yourself. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song. That's going to give you an opportunity to fill that card out as we sing. Uh, after we sing that first song, we're going to sing one more song after that. And during that second song, we'll pass baskets, and you'll be able to drop your card in the basket. Um, and then we'll get somebody to follow up with you. Um, but let me pray for us, and then we will close out this morning. God, as we close, I pray, uh, Father, if we're just riding the fence about whether to fill that card out or not, uh, I pray you will prompt us to do so. If we are trying to figure out what we need to ask for, I pray you will give us wisdom in asking for precisely what we need. Uh, God, I pray that we would be brave this morning as we respond and that we would let you work in our lives. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.